Hello and welcome to the Decision Point Podcast. My name is Karen Wong and I'm your host of the show. So on the Decision Point Podcast, we speak with leaders in our community about the big life and career decisions they've made, which have led them to where they are today, to be successful members of the community. We'll get to know each and every one of their personal decision points. And today on the show, we have Andrew Dolly, who is the Chief Operations Officer for Assisting Hands Home Healthcare. Actually, let me say that again. He's the Chief Operations Officer of Assisting Hands Home Care. Is that correct, Andrew? Yeah, that's right. Sorry, welcome to the show. I just wanna make sure I got that correct. Um, and Karen, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Pleasure, pleasure. Uh, so tell me a little bit what you do at uh, Assisting Hands Home Care. Yeah, so we are a franchise organization. And so I work on the franchisor side. So if somebody wanted to own their own home care agency, and I should probably explain what home care is. Home care, it's non-medical. So somebody that needs a little bit of help, usually it's seniors, but it can also be somebody that's disabled. And we, we send a caregiver into their home to help them, just to help them get through their day with a little more grace and dignity. So it could be helping them with laundry, it could be with meal preparation, um, it, it could be just sitting with them and talking with them. So if somebody needs a little bit of help, but they don't want to pay for a nurse and they don't need medical care, well, that's what that's what home care is. Right. You send somebody into home and take care of them there. So we're a franchise organization. I'm on the franchisor side. I'm the chief operate chief operations officer. And I assist in everything from before they buy the franchise, drafting the franchise agreements, executing the franchise agreements, to afterward where I focus heavily on technology, where my I oversee a team that sets up kind of their business in a box. So when you become a franchise owner of McDonald's, you know, you get all of these things with it. Well, at Assisting Hands, you get this business in the box where you get the email address is set up for you, your, your internet is set up, all of your social media pages are set up. There's a, there's a million things that are set up so that you as a business owner can just hit, hit the ground running. That's why I oversee the internal operations for assisting hand. Wow. Sounds very complex and sounds like you have a lot of moving parts happening on a daily basis. Yeah, and we have uh, offices in 25 different states around the U.S. We have 80 offices. So between the ongoing support that we offer all of our franchise owners and uh, you know, working with prospective franchise owners, it can get uh, pretty busy. There's a lot to juggle. Jeez, 80 offices. That is a lot of lot of lot of emails going around. I can imagine on a daily basis. Yeah. So. Yeah, day-to-day for me, it's emails and conference calls. My wife doesn't like that I say that because it doesn't sound like, you know, really important, but that's what it is. Day-to-day, a lot of emails, a lot of conference calls, uh, just making sure everybody is communicating and getting what they need done. Right. Cool. Good, good, good. Um, A lot of people will be saying, who is Andrew? And we'll look you up on on LinkedIn and and you have a great description of what you've done in the past. Uh, from, from graduating high school and going to college and getting degrees, uh, moving around the country a little bit. Uh, in this process of your growth, and you know, I'm, I'm reading it as well, think, gosh, wow, what, a, what an amazing trajectory of life and career. Uh, was there a point in your life, a decision point that you can recall that really has led you to where you are today and your success? Yeah, there are a lot of small decisions, um, but the, the big 
The big one that I will say, um, it happened actually after I graduated from college, um, and it was in my first career, I did residential solar. And I was living in California. Uh, I was living in Visalia, which is central California. And I was running an office. I was the office manager uh, training uh, sales reps how to sell solar and, and design the solar systems. And I, I knew I needed to make a change. And it was tough because I was making a lot of money. Right? There's a lot of money <laughs> in solar. There's a lot of money to be made. Um, but I had a young family. I had two kids. And when people leave a business, leave a company, you know, if, whether they move industries or just move to a different company, they usually do it for four reasons. And I kind of made up four P reasons. One of them is the people. They don't get along with the people. There's not a good culture there. The second P would be the product. They don't have uh, passion behind the product or service that the company um, is, is, is offering. So they kind of lose interest. The third one is the, the price, really their wages. You know, they feel like they can, it's not worth, the money they're getting paid isn't worth their time, energy, and effort. And then the fourth one is the priorities in their life. And I think the pandemic has, re, has kind of really brought this one to life, the priorities. I realized that my priorities, um, I went to work to make money really for my family so that I could provide for my family. That was my biggest priority. And that's why I made money was so that I could provide for my family. But I realized that with two young kids, I wasn't able to tuck them in at night. I was working six days a week and, you know, Monday through Saturday, and I would be at home. I would be in other people's home when they were home, which was at dinner time, which mm -hmm. means I wasn't at home for my dinner with my family. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't at home to watch my kids, you know, tuck them into bed. And I realized that my priorities weren't aligned. And if I continued down this career path while I was making money, a lot of money, a lot more money than I could have been making here in Idaho at that time, I, it wasn't what I, what I really wanted. And there was also the roller coaster of being on commissions. So, you, you know, you could have really good months and then you could have a few weeks where it wasn't as good. And so there's always this, you know, what if around the corner that was always nagging in the back of my mind. And I really wanted the stability, especially while my family was growing. So I made the decision that I needed to, to move up to Idaho. And there, were, there came a lot of challenges with, challenges with that. One of the challenges was solar doesn't, didn't make sense in Idaho. Like, like there's still people getting solar now in Idaho, but it's not like it was in California. Right. And partially because electricity in Idaho is cheap. So I knew I'd have to be making a change in, uh, in industries. And I didn't have a job or anything lined up. And so when I moved up here, I, I came up here and I found a job and it was a major pay cut, over 60% pay cut, I, which, you know, short run, short term, that was tough. Now things in California did cost more uh, and I was making more money, um, but that was tough to take a 60% pay cut. Um, and, you know, the part of me was like, hey, I'm in California and I'm making a lot of money just out of college, you know, making $100,000 a year. This is great. But it, it didn't align with my priorities. Uh, and so we, we moved up here to Idaho. Part of me leaving that the company was also the people. Um, not that the people were, were bad. I just we just didn't connect in the, the same way. And what I thought was, you know, honest and fair wasn't exactly what they thought. And so by me cutting ties with them and moving up to Idaho, they actually didn't pay me. Um, it ended up being over $10,000. I won't say the exact amount, but there were where I had done my job, the solar had been installed on the roof. They were going to get paid 
they paid their contractors. Um, but because I was leaving and they didn't like the fact that I was leaving, they decided to not pay me on those uh, systems that I had installed already or that I had sold and designed and had installed. So that was that was a tough decision. You know, as a young family, it was coming up towards Christmas time, $10,000 just to leave um, the, the company. Uh, and I decided, you know what, I, I could be mad at the company. I could try and fight them for it. Or I could say, you know what, this is just proof that I need to move. And uh, there's, you know, the grass is greener and I'm not going to let $10,000, while it is a large amount, I'm not going to let that define my career or define me. And I'm not going to, you know, become bitter over that. And so I just accepted it for what it was. And uh, I don't want to be too casual about it because I think it's important to be financially stable. But I realized that I could have let it be a, become a stumbling block. And I, and I didn't. That's a great perspective. I mean, I love the, the four P's, people, product or service, price, or how much you're being paid, your wages and priorities. And, and it sounds as if you really did look at that and accept it and release some of this, of what was, what was put upon you in terms of the $10,000. He's like, you know, you had to make a decision of like, how am I gonna feel about this? And how am I going, am I, am I going to let it go? And you sounds as if you really did take a lot of time and thought to determine that and make sure that it wasn't going to stick in your heart and your soul. Yeah. And it's also helped shape, uh, shape me as a, as a business leader, because I could say, Hey, look, this is what happened to me as an employee. Well, now, now that I'm a manager, I can turn around and say, okay, I don't want an employee that works for me ever to feel like the way I felt. I want them to feel like that I've always been fair or erred on the side of generosity. Um, because all of us are in business, and no matter what we do, you know, we're, we're, we're doing something for somebody else. And I, at the end of the day, in my opinion, my family is the most important thing. So what I do is very important at work, but I want to be able to go home to my family and have a clear conscience, conscience that um, you know, what I've done is, is right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you were right about um, COVID and the pandemic kind of resorting our priorities. And with these, these resorting our priorities or reprioritizing our priorities, um, we're actually now looking at different options with the availability of remote work as well. So I think a lot of this redistribution of, of people in different geographies has been a function of this as you know, you've experienced as well. Uh, so you know, you're talking about moving back or moving to Idaho and some of the challenges of making that decision. Anything else that was in your way, any challenges you had to handle, go around, go up, upside down, underneath, however it might be to uh, resolve it? Yeah, another challenge was I knew that I wanted to uh, work work my way up within Assisting Hands. So when I first started to work for Assisting Hands back in 2016, I, you know, I was told that I would need to get more education. I had already had my bachelor's degree, but that if I wanted to be at a C level someday, uh, which is you know chief chief level chief operations officer, chief financial officer, uh, CEO, the C level, I would have to get my MBA. So a couple of years after working, I said, okay, I'm going to go back to school. 
and I was working full time for assisting hands and then going to school full time. And that was a challenge because now at this point, I had three children, three young children, and it was, it was a lot of pressure put upon me, a lot of pressure on my wife. And I went to NNU, Northwest Nazarene University, received a great education, uh, and I wanted to do it in person. That was a priority for me. I did not want to do an online MBA uh, because I, I felt like one important aspect of the education was the networking and the building relationships. And it's not just understanding what's being taught. It's not just the material. It's uh, all of the interaction that is is just best in person. Uh, and this is before COVID. I did not want to do anything online. Um, there were still a couple of online classes that I ended up taking, um, but the vast majority of it was in person at NNU. So the challenge was, how do I work full time, study, and then attend classes? The classes were once a week and they were four hours long. So it'd be Tuesday from 6 to 10 p.m. So uh, I remember um, one week on Thursday, I was talking to my wife and I said, I haven't seen our kids since Monday. I would wake up, I'd go to work before they woke up to go to school. And I'd stay at work after work to do assignments on Monday. Right. I'd get home after they were asleep, go to work on Tuesday before they woke up. And then I'd, go to, I'd stay at the office, finish up any homework, and then go to, the, uh, go to class from 6 to 10 p.m. By the time I got home, they were asleep. On Wednesday, I, uh, after work, I'd, I'd, get, I'd, I'd go to our church and serve there. Uh, we have a youth program and I was uh, a leader over youth. And so I'd served there. So on Thursday after work was the first time I'd seen my kids and I lived in the home. And so there was a lot of pressure for, you know, a couple of years of uh, not just on me, but on our whole family. But I realized it was going to be for a small season and it was, was going to provide long-term results, long-term benefits. So that, that was a challenge. There were, I, there were a lot of times where I'm like, is this going to be worth it? You know, if, if it's not going to sink our ship, <laughs> then we're going to get to the, you know, I don't know what the right analogy is, but we're going to get to the next harbor faster because our ship's going to be able to, to be better or whatever it is. Um, but one thing that I will always remember is my wife always left the lights on when I was driving in the driveway, she left the lights on and I'm kind of an energy, energy efficient kind of guy and oh it's wasting electricity what are you doing you know I'm, I'm one of the dads that goes around the house flipping off all the light switches yeah yeah uh, but it always meant so much to me that she would leave the lights on for me when I got home and it was kind of her way of saying I recognize you I see you I see the sacrifices that you're making for our family and you know we we appreciate it and it was just kind of like a guiding way of having me come home and um and I that that was that was really impactful for me Although that was a tough couple of years. You know, your ship analogy is wonderful. Uh, it's amazing what you went through. I'm trying to comprehend in my mind, my life, if what it would be like if I tried to do the same thing. And it's really hard to envision that because the time, the effort, the pressure, uh, the thankfulness of your wife, who sounds like a saint, you know, raising young children yeah. while you are working full time, uh, going to school full time, and the pressures of that, and serving in your church as well, is something that you know I look on both sides of the coin. What you what you were doing, what you've done, 
and her, what she did and is doing as well, uh, which is, and you represented it with this seemingly small act of leaving the lights on, which is, it's, it's big. It's, it's, it's a wonderful description of love and support in a time of building a new, new ship to get to the, the next harbor uh, faster and, and more efficiently. Yeah. yeah, and because I was able to get my MBA, it, it then allowed me to prepare for this position to become the COO, the Chief Operations Officer. Wow. So, uh, and, and that was just a couple of years, you know, three years later, now I'm here in the position of being COO. So it, it has paid dividends, um, you know, fairly quickly within a career and I'm, I'm grateful for the sacrifices that I made. That's cool. That's great. So, and along the way, uh, I'm sure there's people or books or things that you've experienced that have given you inspiration. Uh, anything along that, those lines? Yeah. Outside of my family and my faith, the most influential person for me, I've never met, <laughs> uh, but it's going to be Dave Ramsey. And everybody knows him. He's the financial uh, guru. And the reason why he's been so in, uh, influential for me is because he's given me the uh, not just the knowledge, but the inspiration to really be uh, financially independent, to really put in the work and the effort. So part of the reason why uh, I went down to California was to make money to pay off student loans um, from college and right. wanted to become financially uh, free. So I, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I don't have any car loans and I don't have credit card loans. And so a lot of the weight that's a lot on a lot of American shoulders, I don't have. And I can, I can thank Dave Ramsey for that, even though he'll, he'll never see this and, or never know how appreciative I am. I, it, it has been a major blessing in my life because now I can focus on other things. And just one quick example, I, I have, you know, we have money set aside for an emergency fund. And three weeks ago, my wife got in a car accident. It was a single car accident. She was, she's fine. Her baby's fine. I, but the car needed to be towed and the, you know, that, that can cause a lot of stress on families. And while there was worry for, you know, is everybody okay? I didn't worry for one second because we had insurance. I called the insurance agent and he said, okay, this is what you need to do. Follow these steps. And we had money set aside to pay for the deductible. And so, yeah, you know, it, it cost, it cost money, but we had money set aside for it. Right. So it didn't it didn't disrupt our lives at all having a car accident and not having a car for a week because we had prepared because of the principles that Dave Ramsey had, had taught. So that's just I guess just one quick example um, of how that worked for us. And he's been very influential in my life as well in that and, and because of it, uh, I've I've taught his financial peace university for many years through our church as well and the nine baby steps. Uh, that are part and parcel to his his program. And it's a wonderful, the way I see it is that it allows people to get out from under the oppression of debt. And you kind of illustrated that really well because debt is, is very oppressive. And once you get free of it, you do um, experience freedom. The weight is lifted up your shoulders. So I am, thank you for sharing that because yeah, Dave Ramsey and what he's in the Financial Peace University program that allows people to get out of debt is really, really important. And not only did you, uh, you, you find them inspirational, but you're doing it. 
you, it, which is also part of the difficulty is to make sure that people maintain the consistency of the, the plan so that you can have this emergency fund for the times in which emergencies happen. Stuff happens in life. It's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Um, so thank you for all of this. It's been really wonderful getting to know you. Andrew Dolly, Chief Operations Officer at Assisting Hands Home Care. Uh, love the fact that you guys are helping out with seniors and those folks that are unable or unable to perform some of the activities of daily living. And a lot of times that people think of it as just seniors or older people, but there are folks who um, have become disabled or have partial disabilities, temporary disabilities that just need some help in home or otherwise that your company does provide that service for them. Yes, yeah, and we are uh, also in the business of selling franchises, right? So we've, one of the unique blessings uh, of being where I'm at is I'm seeing people that join our system as a franchisee, a franchise owner, you know, they're tired of working for corporate America and they wanna make a difference in their community. And then I'm seeing their life completely change because of the success that they can build with an assisting hands business. So I, I, an example, a real quick example of this, one of our franchise owners, um, a husband and wife team out of Florida, and this completely changed their life. You know, they, they, were, they were doing well, they were doing okay financially, and now they are uh, doing very, very well uh, financially. And they're, they're gonna be able to have a, uh, you know, the assisting hands has, has given them a very bright future. And it's filled their bucket in unique ways because they're able to be an employer of choice. So they have uh, over a hundred caregivers that work for them that love working for them. So they thought going into the business, oh, I'm going to provide a great need. I'm going to you know, take care of seniors, which we do, but we also employ people that need employment and they love working for assisting hands. And so this, this franchisee told me, he's like, I, I didn't know how much I was going to find joy in providing employment for people that need employment. And so that's a, that's another unique uh, kind of nugget that our franchisees didn't expect that they would get for becoming an owner of a, fran of, of a franchise. Yeah, because you're able to help new business owners or young business owners or inexperienced beginning business owners grow a business to start and grow and prosper and enjoy those four P's that you mentioned, uh, working with great people, providing a great product and service, um, making a, a wage that is that makes it put a smile on your face and enabling you to keep your priorities in line with your life. And it's, it's a great um, combination of you on the franchisor side, uh, helping the franchisees uh, develop this great, wonderful business in an industry or a service that is so, so needed in our society today. Yeah, and our incentives are in line, are aligned because we as a franchisor, we're only successful if our franchisees are successful. Right. So it's in our best interest to support them and, and really uh, make sure that they have all the tools that they can be successful wherever they are across the U.S. And as they're successful, well, that in turn helps us uh, be successful as a franchisor. Of course. Of course. Cool. Good. Well, Andrew, thank you again for this time. 
uh, for our listeners, if they want to reach out to you and get in touch with you, what would be a good way or ways to do that? Uh, the first way is probably just to give me a call on my cell phone. Uh, it's 208-707-3795. Alternatively, they could email me at adolly at assistinghands.com. That's A-D-A-H-L-E at assistinghands.com. And then if they'd like to connect on LinkedIn, that'd be great. Although I will put a disclaimer here that I that I don't get on LinkedIn every day. So it might be a little yeah. while, I'm not ignoring their request, but I, you know, I would like to connect that way too. Fair enough, cool, good, good, good. Well, just to uh, recap, uh, this is Decision Point Podcast is uh, an opportunity for, for us all to learn the, the turning point and the decision points in people's lives that have led them to where they are today to be successful leaders in the Boise community. So thank you again, Andrew Dolly with Assisting Hands uh, Home Care. We appreciate it and love the time and your wisdom and insights on the show today. Thank you, Karen.